Hello, I'm Alex Mosed, and you're here on Winner Take All. Thanks for joining us, where we talk about the constant battle between large tech monopolies and traditional incumbents. I'm also joined by Nick Johnson, co-author of uh, Modern Monopolies with me. Let's jump on in. We're going to talk about uh, Instagram. And basically, some interesting stats out here um, about how much money is being spent on Instagram influencer marketing. We've spoken a lot on this show uh, just on the last couple episodes about how uh, metrics like GDP, metrics like the uh, unemployment rate or labor force participation rate aren't accurate because of platform economies that aren't being factored into these traditional metrics. So one of the things we're going to look at today is Instagram. So you'll see here, uh, Instagram was part of 93% of all influencer, in, influencer marketing campaigns in the last year. In 2020, advertisers are, are predicted to spend $2.4 billion on Instagram influencer marketing. Um, looking at some other things, right? Uh, marketers around the world, I'll highlight this. Spent more than $5 billion on influencer marketing on Instagram in 2018. The fashion industry looks like the, the largest sponsor with 25% of all sponsored posts. And you can see some of, you know, food and entertainment and some of the other categories. Um, this is interesting. So there's 1.4 million accounts with over 15,000 followers. You know, that can include brands and company accounts. Uh, but that's a lot of accounts, 1.5 million content creators, these producers. Another set here. So this kind of shows influencer marketing global, global spend. Uh, so in 2019, they're predicting, this was published a few years ago, uh, between 4 to $8 billion. So the point is, look, there's a lot of money going into Instagram influencer marketing. Now, what does that really mean? Um, you could have sponsored posts where... If now you post something to Instagram and now you're promoting that to get in front of more eyeballs and get more engagement. Okay. That's a part of influencer marketing. The thing I want to focus on are basically the deals that are happening outside of Instagram, where you are going directly to a content creator and saying, Hey, you know, they had a stand here about Kylie Jenner, you know, getting paid millions of dollars for one post, right? That, that money's not going through Instagram. I'd say that's still somewhere in this four to eight billion dollar bucket. I'd probably say it's closer to this uh, this stat here about two point four billion dollars on Instagram influencer marketing. I think that's what these guys are more so trying to get at, which is the money going directly to the producer to to post a post on an influencer's account, tag that brand or tag that other account that's trying to gain followers or, or get customers or whatever it may be. Kylie Jenner got a million dollars per post. This money in no way, shape, or form is being factored into <laughs> GDP calculations. I mean, in the grand scheme of thing, a few billion dollars, you got a $20 trillion economy. I don't think it's skewing the GDP numbers that much. Um, but when you look at the, uh, when you look at the um, unemployment rate and the labor force participation rates, that is where you see it. So this is September. Okay. Unemployment rate hits a 50 year low. 
what are we at? Like 3.5%. Okay. You can kind of see. Here it is, right? I think the more interesting stat to look at is the labor force participation rate. So what is the labor force participation rate? This is basically saying what the unemployment rate is tracking are people that are working or recently looking for a job. I think in the past six months looking for a job. With the labor force participation rate, it expands that. If you are not looking for a job, it still does not include you. But if you are somewhat looking for a job beyond the six months, then you are included in this. I miss anything on that, Nick? Sounds about right. And so you can see here, you know, we were at a high of around 66%, kind of right around when we had the crash in 08. That came down. Now we're at about 63%, maybe a touch above that. We're between 63 and 64% labor participation. So if we have a three or 350 million population in the United States, it doesn't mean that 63% of that, say, 350 million people um, is working. What it is saying is of the portion of that 350 million people that would like to work, they may not be actively looking. That's the unemployment rate. But they would like to work. Uh, 63% or so of those people are working. Now, um, if let's say there's, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred million people that fit that classification, I'm right. just broadly guessing here. So, um, you know, people who are not in that. So if you're a student, you're not in labor force participation. If you're a home taker, you're not in labor force participation, right? So if you say it's a couple hundred million people, let's say you got 63% of that. Let's say you're around 120, 130 million people that are considered working as a part of that labor force participation. And then you go back to some of these stats and you look at just Instagram and just Instagram is saying that there's 1.4, 1.5 million people with over 15,000 followers and 40% uh, uh, of them are actual people not companies or, or, right. or brands. Okay, so now you whittle that down to, I don't know, you know, five, six, seven hundred thousand people. Maybe they're not all in the US. Let's say you got a few hundred thousand people, individuals in the US with at least 15,000 people following on Instagram. That's pretty legit. It's not bad. And by the way, I know that you can make decent money I'm talking tens, I'm talking five figures kind of money. Um, if you have, and actually what they say is if you have between 15 to 100,000 followers on Instagram, that sometimes is actually the most kind of avid audience follower base. Right. You have much more active audiences potentially at those where some of the bigger accounts may have a lot more followers, but they're not as engaged with your content. So it's, it's a measure of a mix of engagement and volume. Yes. And some of the lower accounts actually have really good engagement. So right. there's value there. You're going to have, it's going to be very niche, right? And, and presumably highly engaged, very niche specific right. content, kind of like our show. If you were to add 300,000 people that say, these people are working, maybe they're making 30, 40, $50,000. Maybe some of that's cash. Um, but their life is just to post on Instagram. Right. And I mean, that's not bad money. 
I'm sure you can actually make more money. That's like a, a solid middle class earnings. Uh, you know, as long as you don't live in a major city where right. living costs are expensive. You could also go and do events. You could right. also go and there's do supplemental income. That yes, because do you have it. status on Instagram. Right. There's there's other stuff completely off of Instagram. And of course, that you get. in the kind of parody of in- influencers, you also tend to get a lot of value from free stuff or discount stuff. That yes, offered exactly. So 130 million people, yeah. and I had 300,000 people on this little chart. Which, by the way, the chart doesn't move very much. These right. are and years. That's just Instagram. That doesn't include, you know, there are people YouTube. that make their living on YouTube or Twitter, uh, Twitch, Twitch. And, you know, all these different platforms out there. Uh, there's a lot of different creators, and that's just one category of folks, mm-hmm. basically, that are, are doing this and making decent money off of it. Yeah, making decent money. And I think, you know, that's billions of, that, that's easily a multi billion dollar industry where, those few hundred thousand people obviously don't have all of that few billion dollars, right? But it's real money. And these stats, 1% of 130 million, okay, is 1.3 million. So then you would say, okay, if I have 300,000, again, these are, these are back of the napkin numbers here. But let's say you get 25 basis points on this chart. Let's say you publish that to the stock market. That the labor force, per- look, the line doesn't move. It's been this, basically the same. It's, it looks like it's gone up maybe 50 basis points. Maybe 1% in the dip from here. What is this? Between 2015 and 2016 to now 2019. Maybe it's gone up 1%. But then you say, you know what? If I was to add up Instagram, YouTube, all the content creator platforms right um all of those and then oh and then if you actually start to look at um for example uber drivers that are that are doing this part-time maybe right. maybe while they're in school maybe while they're a home taker what happens to those people because technically i'm a home taker but you know maybe i'm driving for homemaker. uber homemaker <laughs> um, maybe i'm driving for uber 10 or 20 hours a week right. am i now in the labor force i i would say so um, at least by these stats, right? What about, you know, selling stuff on Amazon, which we could look at the hundreds of thousands of people selling, you know, making, you know, 10 figures to low six figures. People, people renting out apartments on Airbnb, same thing. So this producer, this, this creator economy, this producer economy, I think is something we want to continue to chronicle. Yeah. Um, and so if we, if winner take all, if we were to publish our own stats on this, I would argue that these stats would actually be much higher. And, and this isn't something just magically because of 2019, but because of platforms, which over the past, I'd say probably 10 years have really come into their own. Um, you absolutely have kind of this shadow economy that's not, properly being factored I, I would into call the, it the the platform economy platform or if you economy. Want to be more specific the producer economy producer on those economy. platforms yep. uh the, it's, platform a, it's a new kind of work um in the sense of how they relate to uh you know, the the platform uh and it's one that you know, when you talk from statistics to labor laws and all kinds of things is just not well accounted for yep agreed so more to come on this obviously okay 
Let's dig into the to the meat of today's episode. Um, integrity, integrity. Uh, do we have any South Park fans out there? Because if you are a South Park fan, you're going to enjoy this. Um, so Nick and I have been long time South Park fans, but we're, we're going to come back to South Park in a second. What happened? Why are we talking about China? Why are we talking about um, South Park? Why is any of this relevant? Okay, let's pull up this. All right, boom. It all started with our friend Daryl. He posted this October 6th. And so that was Sunday. Fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. This is the general manager of the Houston Rockets, big NBA team. Houston Rockets are big in China. Um, NBA is big in China. He posted this on Twitter. Key part of the story. And then very quickly deleted it. And then very quickly deleted it because there is sudden and immediate outrage. The the cardinal rule of Twitter, nothing is ever really deleted. (laughs) And so what has happened since, I'm sure you've heard about this. Basically, um, the Houston Rockets have been banned from, uh, or no, all of the NBA has been banned from broadcasting any NBA for for the next week They they canceled, there was a preseason game with the Nets and someone else that was canceled. Basically, they're not going to broadcast it anymore. Tencent, who paid billions of dollars for streaming rights for the NBA in China, said they're suspending, uh, at least, you know, for now. They haven't said how long, but so basically indefinite. Uh, If you look on certain apps like TikTok, or the Houston Rockets, they no longer show up. <laughs> right. Whereas other NBA teams like the Warriors, you can still search and like find images of players. But if you search Houston Rockets, uh, there was an article on this today. Nothing about the NBA comes up. None of their players show up anymore. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. So um, Tencent, big platform tech monopoly. We're going to keep coming back to Tencent. Okay. Tencent has, you know, with, with these bannings, there's more from what... From we've talked, we've talked a lot about how basically it's really unfortunate that the Chinese communist government is using platform tech monopolies to enforce and regulate uh, their country and how people behave in China. And now they're trying to take retribution out on other people outside of China beyond just what's happening in Hong Kong or, you know, with, with the Hong Kong protests, which we've talked about. So now here's the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, uh, saying, I think as a values-based organization, Daryl basically has an ability to exercise freedom of speech. Funny enough, Silver was actually in Tokyo while all of this is happening. And here are CCTVs, China Communist TV. I think that's what it stands for. We are strongly dissatisfied and we oppose Silver's claim to support Mori's right of free expression. We believe that any speech that challenges national sovereignty and social stability is not within the scope of freedom of speech. Okay, so there you go. You know, the irony in all of this, there's just so much irony, and that's what we're going to get into. So there's there's more irony here, but love it how, you know, there's there's free speech, but then there's these beautiful boundaries around free speech, um, as we've spoken about before. Okay, so this story continues. now. Uh, there are all these bannings, but here is the biggest irony. The guy, Daryl, posted a tweet on Twitter about China, and Twitter cannot operate in China. They've banned it from China. Right. 
But immediately, there is all this outrage on Twitter against Daryl. Like, immediately. Almost like it was coordinated. Hmm. Okay. So, let's look back. September 17th, 2019, China used Twitter to disrupt Hong Kong protests. But efforts began years earlier. This is from uh, NPR and, and the New York Times reported on this. And basically, look at this graph down here. So they, they counted hundreds of thousands of accounts that Twitter and Facebook banned. Okay. Hundreds of thousands of accounts. Twitter released the actual account names for a thousand of these accounts um, and then showed their history. And that's what this shows. So these accounts are created all the way back to 2007. You can see this. What I think you see here isn't that these accounts were all suddenly created in 2017 and 2018. It's just that's when Twitter started catching on and actually paying attention after all the Facebook election stuff. Right. So these accounts yeah. have been around for a long time. Right. They're created by the Chinese government or, State actors. Uh, you know, their subsidiaries. And so, you know, they have some examples in this article about these tweets that, that, that um, these bot accounts are posting to put disinformation out there. And so this was banned in regards to the Hong Kong protests. We reported on this a few weeks ago when this happened um, about how the Chinese government is is both using the Chinese tech platforms to enforce this stuff, but then also doing activities on U.S. tech platforms to enforce their, you know, whatever they want. Um, and this is the New York Times. Facebook and Twitter say China is spreading disinformation in Hong Kong. Okay. So going back to the irony of all of this, the poor guy, Daryl, posts this thing on Twitter. Twitter is banned in China, yet all of these bot accounts from China are then flaming Daryl and any, you know, anyone else that agrees with Daryl and the NBA to explain why Daryl is wrong and Daryl's a horrible person for posting this and, and supporting Hong Kong. Um, so now it isn't just the NBA. Blizzard which we spoke about has that server in Taiwan uh, that, that people were, you know, talking about from mainland China were able to log in. Now, Blizzard bans this Hong Kong player who was playing in a big tournament. For Hearthstone, which is a big Blizzard game. And basically the guy said, here, liberate Hong Kong revolution of our age. And so they banned this guy. They took away all of his winnings, hundreds of thousands of dollars. They banned him for a year from being able to participate in future uh, games. Why did Blizzard do this? Well, guess who owns a 5% stake in Blizzard? Tencent. Coming back to Tencent. Tencent owns 5% of Blizzard. They have a 4.9% stake in Activision Blizzard. Also, Tencent taking off all of the NBA streaming in China. Um, this was interesting. I didn't even really know this. China has agreed with the UK for Hong Kong to be a capitalist democratic area until 2047. I didn't even know that was the treaty. That was um, part of the terms of basically reintegrating Hong Kong with China from British control. Yeah, we're going to give them a 50-year yep. transition period. Interesting that the UK really isn't um, standing up for much on this. But anyway... All of this has come to light in the past few days. Last Wednesday, our friends over at South Park uh, really, they, they just have a way of predicting this kind of stuff. I don't know how. 
But um, so they posted a great Instagram post, which says official official apology to China from Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Like the NBA, we welcome the Chinese censors into our homes and into our hearts. We too love money more than freedom and democracy. <laughs> oh God, you guys can read this for yourself. Um, so they posted this after the NBA stuff started blowing up right. the last couple of days. It's a constant battle. Now, clearly, um, U.S. companies operating in China have had to try to grapple with this for a long time, but it's right. all starting to come to a head. And I think the thing that has really brought it to a head is platforms. And I think that's where really where you, you see this where the Chinese tech platforms... The stocks are down. All of the Chinese tech platform stocks are way down over the past year, year and a half. We've been talking about this a lot, um, whether it's Baidu, whether it's Tencent, or it's Alibaba. This type of activity is obviously stemming from the Chinese Communist Party. I don't think the folks in Tencent would, would do this to the degree that they're doing it if it weren't the for required. The, required. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, the company is going to get shut down or worse or, right. or you'll go to jail or personal problems. And this weighs on the stock price of the Chinese tech companies. They have to do it. We've spoken about how this actually only the ante has only been raised and they're now putting even more people sitting inside of every one of these tech companies that is actively monitoring this kind of stuff. And now deploying and, and filtering and banning accounts and all these kinds of things. Tencent just being, this is just one example of one Chinese tech monopoly. And A, the control that they have in China with the NBA playing, as well as the control that they have outside of China with the ownership interests that they have outside of the country, in this case, Blizzard. And you now see this in the movies. That's also part of what South Park talks about here, where um, whether uh, I think Tencent has bought some movie studios. Alibaba or maybe also Alibaba has, did. Uh, they've both done a lot in entertainment, basically, and are ramping up their spending on movie production. And yes, production. buying media entities or being majority investors uh, in kind of Hollywood studios. And all of this stuff is now happening. And... Um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a very difficult landscape to navigate. The interesting thing is that the U.S. tech monopolies basically have been banned from operating in China the whole time. Right. So they don't really have much of, I mean, I guess they kind of have a conflict because they've always kind of wanted to. They've, they've clearly, I mean, Zuckerberg learned Chinese and they tried to get back in. I think what they probably come to the conclusion is we're never going to get a level playing field. Right. Uh, so Microsoft, same thing, yeah. Google left, and then now is kind of trying to go back in. And I think they squashed that last year. They, if, if no, they keeps, didn't, then they have bubbling, to now. It keeps right. bubbling up because the market is just so big. If you can get in and get enough traction to get a level playing field, then the market opportunity is huge. Just yep. given the economy of China. Yeah. I mean, and look, China, the Chinese government is very smart about how they cultivated their own technology industry. And by preventing foreign firms from being able to just basically operate there, they were able to, you know, the, put up a lot of walls and then let these tech companies cre be created to cater to the rising middle class in China. And they absolutely have the number two dominant VC tech community um, in the globe, far beyond where Europe is. And basically, Europe didn't put up any walls. 
and um, and right. now it's basically all U.S. Big, tech companies. Yeah, all the big U.S. tech companies, the big tech monopolies, basically have like Google and Facebook, similar success in Europe, uh, and in some cases where there's like hyper local network effects, like mm-hmm. delivery uh, delivery services for food. You have your own European companies that popped mm-hmm. up simply because they got there before. Uh, you know, some of the big U.S. delivery companies like a Postmates or a, mm-hmm. you know, Uber Eats got there. But even uh, in in other areas, then it tends to be, you know, the same companies operating in the U.S. and Europe. There's much more of what I would call a common platform market there, uh, whereas China has really separated it off. Um, you're starting to see, you know, India kind of considering these questions as well. Yep. Uh, and, of course, that affects both the China and the U.S., which are both heavily invested in the big platform companies in India. So this issue isn't going away. It's not going away. I just I pulled up this article about India. And now here you can see the breaking news on CNBC about U.S. putting visa restrictions on Chinese officials over abuses of Muslims uh, in, in, in the Xinjiang province. You know, the, the one the, the last note I have on this is this is really something that, you know, this is the role of government. And I think as, as private companies try to navigate this territory for themselves, they're only going to get burnt. And what do you well, kind they, of do? They don't have the leverage to do it all by themselves. <laughs> the, the private companies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's just very difficult for you to navigate. But because of, well, either it's bots on Twitter or, you know, other forces that, you know, now are kind of forcing these private companies into these situations. Right. It's a very difficult position for them to be in. Um, meanwhile, you know, at the government level, this is something that has been essentially the can has just been kicked down the road for a long time. And now we're coming to grapple with it. What China did to nurture the tech environment for many years was hugely beneficial for just their economy, both and just strategically for for the Chinese government to actually remain in power. Right. Political, politically and eco- economically in terms of having those homegrown companies. And I think in many cases in China, the two things go together. Absolutely. Uh, was, uh, it's, it had a lot of foresight in operating in that way when a lot of other places did not. A- absolutely. Now, again, definitely for selfish reasons to right. stay in power and consolidate power. Still genius and beautifully executed. You see some countries like India, you just mentioned. So this was in December of 2018. India tightens e-commerce rules. So basically, India is kind of taking a little bit of a hybrid approach here where they're putting some restrictions on how, say, for example, um, if you are a foreign entity operating in India doing e-commerce, this was the initial announcement of the rule. They've tweaked it a little bit since then, since this announcement. But the initial announcement was that you have to pick one or the other. You can either be a linear e-commerce provider. So again, that's just, you know, you buy products on the balance sheet, you resell it, which is traditionally how Walmart has been operating for years. Um, or you can be marketplace, right? And so I have third-party sellers and then I'm connecting them to consumers and you have the marketplace dynamic. But you can't do both. And that was the rule. And this actually came out after Walmart bought Flipkart. So it was kind of a, whoa. Um, so. And Amazon is also very big in India and has been operating in that kind of hybrid model as well as they do exactly. most everywhere. And except for, say, in eBay, where eBay really is pure all 
marketplace, product marketplace. They don't right. really do the linear reselling activity. A lot of Alibaba, Taobao, and Tmall. A lot of Alibaba, yes, exactly. Our, our, that's why their GMV is so, so high, or one of the reasons. It's interesting to see uh, how India will try to, you know, will navigate this space. And, you know, can they put some barriers up that give some of the local tech firms a little bit more of an advantage compared to... Um, both the U.S. tech monopolies and the Chinese tech monopolies, which are now, but that's really where the battle is well, playing they're, they're out. They're both, even if they're not there organically, they're heavily invested in the big yes. tech platforms mm -hmm. in India, like Paytm has had huge investment uh, from Alibaba mm -hmm. and Alipay. Uh, and I expect that only to continue. And there's been exactly. a number of other investments, if you look at Tencent as well. And, and you can India. see exactly here, where even if you have a 5% ownership stake, like what well, Tencent I think, has in I Blizzard. I think in Blizzard's sake, it's not just Tencent. It's also the fact that Blizzard does a lot of business in China. World of Warcraft, Hearthstone, all those things are uh, big business for them in China. So I think that's not just Tencent's ownership stake, but also Blizzard's just self-interest, uh, economic self-interest yes, taking there, precedent. There is. There is. That, that's true. Um, I just think it's ac much accelerated due to uh, the, um, the ownership stake that Tencent has and this kind of soft power. That, well, that I imagine that these they, tech platforms can right, can and I imagine exhibit. they have that ownership stake partly because Blizzard realized it needed that partner to be allowed into or successful. Yes, to operate there and and so on and so forth. So, um, going on this trend, last topic here is you know there's been some buzz around Google potentially buying buying a TikTok rival. So, TikTok, a Chinese uh, social media you know content platform owned by ByteDance, the largest private tech company in the world, doing massive revenue, growing revenue at over 100% year-over-year ad revenue, that is. And um, this company, Firework, is supposed to be a TikTok competitor. TikTok, I think, has short, like, six-second videos. This, this one has maybe 30-second videos, and you're kind of doing music and, and, and similar kind of, um, you know, antics. So... This article says, oh, you know, they had a valuation of over $100 million. Google might look to buy this company. The company has only raised $11 bucks. And now look, Google historically, honestly, in Google's kind of platform conglomerate status, um, when we were analyzing their different portfolio of platforms, Google has done a fantastic job of buying and scaling up. And buying and scaling the up. The stuff they've tried to do organically typically hasn't done very well. Exactly. But the stuff that at least has some initial traction in a platform in place, they've done a great job. Android was an acquisition. Waze was an acquisition. YouTube. YouTube was an acquisition. And a lot of the stuff like, you know, Google Buzz and Google Video, the stuff they tried to do on their own. I'm sure, they learned a lot from it, yes. but never none of it was ever very yes. successful. They're very good at this. And um, now... I when when I see the level of news and coverage to this, I actually am skeptical. You know, to me, um, it, it's it's kind of like it's manufactured. The amount of buzz that there was around Google might buy this company, Firework. They've only raised eleven million dollars. Okay, they don't, they don't have. They're nominally a TikTok competitor, but if you compare TikTok's revenue and user base to uh, firework, it's like, you know, like a dot on a right, huge map no next, to a, next to a huge circle. <laughs> so, 
So it, it's it's nominally a competitor in that they they do similar stuff, but it's certainly not something that I would say ByteDance is saying, oh no, uh, not firework. <laughs> yeah, and I just and and <laughs> you guys want some more irony to close out the show. So you want to know who the investor is in Firework? They're called <laughs> the China Rock Capital Management VC firm. So, you know, it's everywhere. You just can't get away from it. Um, China's in this company. Now, obviously, if Google bought them, then they're not going to be there anymore. But um, I think there's got to be some other thing going. I, I just don't think that Google because they're so good at doing M&A that they're going to let something like this escape. And if it does escape and get out in the news like this, I think it would pretty much kill the entire deal. And Google's not going to do the deal because there's a leaker or something like that. So I wonder if this was like, I wonder if Google was actually in talks to buy Firework and then and then it didn't work or they said, no, we're not going to well, buy if you. If I'm Google, I consider lots of acquisitions all the time. Exactly. And the, this specific one got leaked might just be because it's China and ByteDance and this is in the news. A whole lot of reasons this could be you know, yes. coming out, but it doesn't mean that this was like some huge strategic move Google is about to make. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. still very <laughs> still very early stage. Is I how feel it like, sounds. yeah, Google passed on it and maybe... And then, and then someone decided to leak it just to get some buzz, you know, or to try and right. boost the profile. Of now, the people, a lot of people have heard heard of Firework. Firework, never heard of Firework. Before. Exactly. I don't think that Google's going to buy Firework. That's that's my prediction on this. Despite it being everywhere, the Google's looking at buying Firework. But um, anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll talk to you tomorrow.